Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Eco Chic. My name is Laura Diaz. It is great to have you here today for our conversation with Kevin Patel. I'm so thankful to have gotten to know Kevin this year. I'm really thankful to call him a friend, and I'm so thankful for the opportunity to share his story on the podcast with you today because Kevin is such a powerful youth activist. He is solutions-oriented, he moves with urgency, and he really brings people along with him. Kevin shares on today's conversation that he was born and raised in South Central Los Angeles, which is a community that continues to fuel his activism today. He is the founder and executive director for the youth-led climate movement One Up Action International. He is also chair of the Youth Climate Commission for Los Angeles County. And just this past May, Kevin graduated from Loyola Marymount University with his bachelor's degree in political science and government. Kevin has been deeply, deeply involved in community solutions and climate action since his childhood. We discussed today his early activism as a middle schooler, what he was noticing in his community and what he did to support those around him. Youth activism has gained a lot of credibility in the last few years, thanks to people like Kevin. Youth activists like Kevin bring so much momentum to the climate movement, along with this level-headedness and firsthand knowledge. So we talk very deeply today about the value of youth activism, how he got his start, and how he encourages other young people to get involved with climate action in their communities, and how to really influence change. How can young people plug into their local governments? How can young people make sure that their voices are truly heard when they're advocating for these community-oriented solutions? Kevin's story also has a really beautiful scaling element to it where he started small, he starts in his community, and now he works globally to support other youth activists through One Up Action International. So I think you will really enjoy this episode. I think you'll learn a lot. I feel like there's so many really good, valuable takeaway tips from this episode, and I really look forward to hearing your thoughts on this one. I will be sharing videos on social from our conversation, so you can find all of my social links in the show notes, and you can also find all of Kevin's social links, and I'll link out to One Up Action as well so that you can get involved if you'd like to learn a little bit more. If you do enjoy this episode as well, don't forget to share it with a friend, share it on your Instagram story, share it with the family group chat, and you can rate and review the show wherever you're listening today. It really helps me out a lot. And double check while you're over there that you're subscribed to the show so you never miss an episode every single Friday. In the show notes, you'll also find a link to our bi-weekly newsletter. It is a roundup of sustainability or climate news from the last couple of weeks. And of course, podcast roundups, community spotlights, all the best things. It comes out every other Tuesday morning. I think you will really, really like signing up. 
And with that, let's jump into today's episode with Kevin Patel, youth activist extraordinaire, here to teach us all about youth activism, his story, One Up Action International, and how young people can truly get involved in creating change. Quick break to tell you about one of my very favorite brands, Caraway. The internet's very favorite cookware. It's good looking, clean cooking. I've shared before that I am someone who loves to make dinner. It doesn't matter if it's a stir fry or a classic pasta dish, or maybe I just have to find a new recipe because I found some really beautiful local vegetables at the farmer's market and I didn't know what to do with them. I like to play with my food and that's why Caraway makes such a difference for me in the kitchen. Caraway cookware is non-toxic and chemical free, so you can fill your summer with trying out all of your favorite new recipes without the worry that we typically associate with nonstick cookware. There's a lot of gross things that go into typical nonstick coating, PFAs, forever chemicals, and it really matters to me and to my family that nonstick cookware is also non-toxic. Caraway cookware is made with the convenience of nonstick without the concerns of these toxic forever chemicals. So you really are getting the best of both worlds. And one of the other very best things about Caraway, in my opinion, is that the cookware is so easy to clean. Because Caraway cookware is made with this ceramic nonstick coating, nothing is getting stuck. We have to use really minimal oil or butter for things to slide right off the pan. And cleanup is an absolute breeze. I have the cream set of Caraway cookware and I'm actually always getting compliments on it. If I have someone over or if I'm cooking with some friends, someone always comments on the Caraway cookware and how beautiful it is. And then of course I launch into my whole thing about like, not only is it beautiful, but it's actually super healthy. It's nonstick, it's easy to clean up and their organization system is just so fabulous. Don't miss Caraway's summer refresh event from June 20th to July 15th. For a limited time, get 10% off site-wide on the internet's favorite cookware. It's the perfect time to take care of all your summer giftings as well. This would be a great gift for a new graduate, for a newlywed couple. With their cookware, bakeware, food storage, and tea kettles to choose from, there is something for everyone. Visit carawayhome.com eco to get 10% off their summer refresh event. Certain exclusions apply. That's carawayhome.com eco or use code eco at checkout. Caraway, non-toxic cookware made modern. I'm so excited to talk to you because I feel like you have such a special niche in the environmental space. Mm -hmm. And you also just do it all. Like I do it everything. I don't know how you manage your time, and I'm sure we're going to have to talk about that. But I'm just so excited to talk to you today. I want to start off setting the scene a little bit. Did you yeah. grow up in Los Angeles? I grew up in Los Angeles, a community specifically called South Central Los Angeles or South LA, as many know it, uh, notorious for many injustices. I like to say born and raised in South LA. Love it. And you stayed for school? I stayed for school in LA too. I went to Loyola Marymount University, LMU. Just recently graduated. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it's been... It's been also like a war win because I was like, I cannot move from L.A. Like all my work, everything that I do is here. But also it's like I now am international, doing a lot of work internationally, supporting the global south, supporting people on the ground here in the United States um, and just building movements and coalitions to really get what we want. I want to talk about how you do it because yeah. you're right. A lot of your work is based in LA and now you have a very international reach. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about your first introductions, I suppose, to policy. Well, I think 
when we talk about the context of where I grew up, right, South LA or South Central Los Angeles, we have to talk about the injustices that happen in that community. It's not just unhoused community members. There's no trees in that community. It's like a concrete jungle, right? Um, and I'm naming a number of issues, right? But one issue that I particularly, you know, right away that I noticed was the lack of access to fresh produce. And that term is called food injustice or food desert. My background, just like a little bit of context, I always talk about it. You know, my parents migrated from India to the United States and their background is actually in farming, but they don't even know that they're climate migrants. In India, the farming industry is devastated with droughts, wildfires and floods. And so, you know, you can't make a living farming. And so they had to move and look for better opportunities. And they came to the States and but they came with that knowledge of growing our own food, right? And I think while I was growing up, my father taught me and instilled a lot of those lessons of growing our own food and being able to nurture ourselves and our body and taking care of the land. And I think those lessons really informed me of the person who I am today, the activist I am today, because the first issue I noticed was food injustice and the lack of access to fresh produce and how my community was so unaware that we can grow our own food. And that we can have better food as well, right? But this was like the starting off point of the policy sector, right? I'm starting very early, my age 11, you know, age 12, around that time, because it's important to know that context. So you were 11 or 12 when you first started acknowledging the food injustices? In well, even earlier than that, earlier than You that. knew that there yeah, was. Yeah, there, there was a lot of issues, yeah. And did your parents talk to you directly about any of these things? Were these conversations you were having in your household? Well, you know, when you grew up in a South Asian household, sustainability is already inherent, right? We reuse cans, we reuse containers and stuff like that. We save all the plastic bags. We take those plastic bags over and over again. Inherently sustainable was a part of our mindset. So we never talked about it like as if it's sustainability. They're like cultural habits. It's cultural habits, right? We were already doing it. And so I think that was like the starting off point of like, oh, we're already living with the land. We're living off the land, right? And that mentality and that cultural background of my South Asian identity kind of carried me into, you know, kind of going into activism of, you know, Mahatma Gandhi, utilizing our voices. We have, we all have a voice. The most powerful tool in our arsenal is to use our voices. And I saw something in my community that we need to do something about these issues, right? And if we don't do anything, these issues will continue happening. But going back to the context of like the food desert and the lack of access, right? Um, my community, my peers, my fellow students, that's when I, you know, was like, oh, I'm going to act on this issue. I'm going to use my voice on this issue. None of them knew where fresh produce came from. Yeah, They were unaware that we can grow our own food. That's how bad it was. And so I started teaching my fellow peers how to grow their own food and also advocating to utilize their voices in their communities. But that all changed second semester of my sixth grade year because I was doing that better part of my, teaching peers how to grow their own food. And we actually got food out of it for the first semester of my sixth grade year. But second semester, I was directly impacted by the air and smog pollution. And I was hospitalized rest of my sixth grade, seventh and eighth grade years. So you were hospitalized for uh, lung issues, for, no, for breathing issues? For breathing issues. Yeah. Well, wow. I had a heart issue. And so yeah, it's got heart irregularity uh, or heart palpitations or irregular heartbeat. Um, I was diagnosed with that. 
And I just had to learn how to adapt. You know, I went from being a healthy young teenager to going in and out of hospital and staying for months on end. And, you know, when I would return to school, a lot of the students would be like, what happened? Well, you were gone for two, three weeks, you know, and I would miss so much. So I feel like that part was a wake up call to were, you know, going into policy and utilizing my voice and doing much more than just focusing on local. Because it's not just one issue. It's a multitude of issues that my community faces, right? I mentioned a lot of them already, from the unhoused community members to the tree equity problem to us having no access to better quality of food, non-GMO, organic, you know, vegan type options, and many more issues. And I think that knowledge that I learned from my parents of being inherently sustainable and and taking and utilizing our voices from my even cultural background, right? I started using it. And also teaching my fellow students that they can also use it, right? They can use their voice. When I mean use it, I mean use their voice. But I think that's, you know, that's where I am now. You know, fast forward to 23, I've done countless things, but all of that was in the effort of making sure that our voices, that our experiences and that our knowledge is heard and seen. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. I did not realize that you had such a deeply personal experience with (laughs) these air quality issues that you're discussing and we're still seeing today and we're seeing a lot of discussion about today. I appreciate that. And then I also am so impressed with how young you were. I didn't realize that you were in middle school when you started really acting on these issues, teaching other students how to garden, how to grow their own food. And then taking that one step further, you were mentioning as you got later on in high school, you started really taking this to the next level and activating. So let's talk a little bit about that period of your activism journey, I suppose. Like, (laughs) how did you go from being a kid who was really passionate in your community about solving these problems locally to then being someone that was taking them to representatives, to really looking to change policy, legislation, government responses? Yeah, I think high school period is a daze, but because it's been a while, right? But I started the first ever environmental club in my high school right when I was a freshman. It was the first ever one the high school ever seen. Um, and we got about 100 students coming. We had to fill up two classrooms. Just That's major turnout for a major, high school club. Yeah, major, major turnout. We had a consistency of 60 students coming out every single meeting. It was just crazy because no one had seen something like that. And and during that time, the youth climate movement didn't exist, you know? And so this was like, wow, I finally have a community. I've been doing this, what, for four or five years. And now I see that a lot of young people are passionate because they see these issues happening in their own community. They're walking it. It's a day-to-day life for them, right? Having the fossil fuel industry right in their backyards, having all of these destructive industries and issues and injustices happening. They wanted to act upon it. And so high school started the first environmental club, um, really utilizing our voices. And we created an initiative to solve three issues, to get rid of the food waste problem within our school. So the dried food waste problem, the recycling problem, because we didn't have recycling bins. And then also our community uh, where my school was situated at, we're not that far away from Skid Road, which is obviously heavily populated by unhoused community members. And so how are we supporting our fellow community members while also supporting our in-house um, you know, school? 
And we came up with a, a genius way of solving these three issues. We were like, okay, well, this food waste, that dry food waste that is packaged, that is sealed, let's do a collection bin. So we were collecting that. And then on top of that, we put recycling bins throughout the school. So we would recycle. And from the recycling bins, we would take that and we would get money from all the recycled cans and bottles and stuff like that. We would donate it to a local food bank. With the food waste, we would actually go every Saturday and actually give it to unhoused community members in Skid Road. So that's the type of solution-oriented focus that young people bring to this. They're not just looking at one issue and saying, this is how we would fix it. No, we're looking at multiple issues and then coming up with one solution that can fix all of it right and i think that was the moment that i realized that intersectionality is already ingrained within a lot of the work that we do and if we can amplify this not only in a school culture right but in our outdoor communities we can do a lot more impact and make more of a difference on these issues um, so that was my first two years of my high school career. And then the latter half of it, I got involved with the mayor's office. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions that's wonder made possible learn more at evernorth.com wonder quick break to tell you about caraway with the fall season just around the corner you may be looking for some wholesome convenient meals for jam-packed days or maybe in the summertime if you're traveling if you're packing your summer days with lots of activities you're looking for a way to get fresh healthy meals conveniently delivered to your door Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit can help you fuel up with fast, chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. With Factor, you can skip the extra trip to the grocery store and avoid the chopping and prepping and all of the cleanup while still getting flavor and nutritional quality. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy, and you can always refresh your healthy habits by choosing from over 34 weekly flavor-packed, dietitian approved meals ready to eat again in just two minutes. Factor is my favorite lunchtime hack. They have their lunch to go program, which is effortless, wholesome meals like grain bowls and salad toppers ready to eat when you're on the go, no microwave required. And you can always rest assured you're making a sustainable choice. Factor offsets 100% of their delivery emissions. They source 100% renewable electricity for their production sites and offices, and they feature sustainably sourced seafood in all of their meals. Head to factormeals.com slash ecochic50 and use code ecochic50 to get 50% off. That's code ecochic50 at factormeals.com slash ecochic50 to get 50% off. I'll have it in the show notes. The previous mayor, Eric Garcetti, he had a youth council on general issues. And I um, rose the ranks of being very close with the mayor. And I was invited to the state of the city address. And I said to him in his ear, I was like, you know, you need to start something on climate action. Young people are passionate on this issue. They want to take action on climate. We need something specific. And then two months later, lo and behold, he established the first ever Mayor's Youth Climate Council on Climate Action. And I was invited to participate for that. And so I was a part of that during my high school year. This is an amazing story. Yeah, you were a kid whispering in the ear of Eric Garcetti, telling him we need some sort of youth climate, climate council. council. So I was, I was kind of the one that formulated it. Uh, uh, this is amazing. 
Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. No one knows this because I think a lot of the times politicians love taking ideas and running with them as their own, right? But also you were so young. I was so you were young. coming up with incredible ideas that were multifaceted solutions yeah. to community issues. Yeah. And then you were just taking this to the next <laughs> level because the opportunity presented itself. You were yeah. in a room and you were willing to put yourself in a situation where you were, frankly, like you were loud. You were saying what you wanted to make sure the politician was hearing in the room. Yeah. And we got that. And I was like, wow, we brought together a good number of young people. It still runs to this day. I think it's on its fourth or fifth cohort, but brings together like 20, 30 young people from across LA City um, to advocate on climate issues. And it was big. It was huge. And then I realized, I think even 2019, when the climate strike started happening, March in City Hall, I started seeing how a lot of young people from across LA County from different cities were driving two or three hours away to have their voices heard in LA City. And that's where I was like, okay, we need something bigger. And that's where I stepped it up a little bit and came up with the idea of a Youth Climate Commission. Fast forward 2022, uh, it's finally established. In 2019, it was passed, but obviously it takes time to establish a commission. So fast forward 2022, it's finally out there and we have 24 commissioners. It's supposed to be 25, but they were not able to find a young person in, in District 5, but it's fine. But that became the first ever in the world, first ever in the nation, and having every single district within the county represented. That type of model of going from one city to then a bigger model of like, okay, how can we have young people? people who are wanting to take action on climate action, have their voices, have their solutions, have their ideas and experiences heard within government. And we we got the Youth Climate Commission passed. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations. I'm so impressed not only with the accomplishments themselves, but with the speed at which you're moving through these yeah. phases. Yeah. That's really, really impressive. What do you think was the kind of secret sauce to your momentum? I think the secret sauce to my momentum is understanding that, you know, these issues are affecting not only my community, they're affecting many communities across the globe. And, you know, we were truly about action and implementation and acceleration of climate solutions, then we would act at the urgency of implementing them, right? And so where I come from is that my community, they don't have time to wait around for these panels, these discussions and these conversations to lug around to get justice. In order to get justice, we must act on it. And that's where I was. That's my urgency because I was effective. My community makeup is black and brown folks, indigenous peoples, uh, you know, BIPOC, black indigenous people of color. You know, you won't see a white person in South LA and they're not going to be affected by these injustices. So being affected, I realize it's a time to act with urgency. We should not wait around for any politician or any, um, you know, government official to act on this issue. We ourselves have to be that voice. We ourselves have to be the solution. And we ourselves have to make sure that those solutions are implemented so that we can get justice. And that's why all of this has happened at such a faster rate. I act with urgency because of my community and because I would hate for something, the same thing that happened to me to happen to someone that I love, my family, my friends the community that I grew up in, the neighborhood that I love so much. Wow. I think that the youth climate movement has gained a lot of credibility in yeah. the last few years. 
And there are incredible spaces where youth climate activists are being invited where historically they have not been. Mm -hmm. But there was for a long time that barrier to entry of yeah. uh, saying these youth activists just did not know enough. They just did not have the experience to be in these spaces. Yeah. So what do you think is something to consider or something to advocate on when you are a youth activist in an area that's just not as progressive, perhaps, as California, if you are a youth activist in the Midwest and you find that perhaps your local mayor is not willing to listen to you, how are you getting into the door? How are you finding other communities to really tap into? I think that's about formulating a community itself, right? Forming coalitions and community building. There are other people who think the same way that you think that understand the issues that matter to you and that matter to them as well. And being able to tap into that is the beauty of getting what we want to get, which is justice, which is the solutions implemented. And to see a world that is not plagued with so many of these issues that are happening, right? Oftentimes I talk about how, you know, if you're not being heard in your own community, how do you get a voice? It's by using it, you know, and just Continue using it because at the end of the day, the long run, well, you'll get to the finish line, you know, um, if that makes any sense. But I'm working with a lot of young people across the nation, 53 fellows that we have a part of One Up Action, which I'll get into One Up Action a little later on. But we have this new program called Youth Solution is in Government and how can we establish what we did here in LA County across the nation and making sure that young people are heard. A lot of what I'm hearing is that the fellows from Florida, the fellows from Texas, the fellows from the Midwest, you know, that have a harder time to have their voices heard. What they're doing is building coalitions. Because if you have numbers, then you can get what you want. And that's the power of community. Because it's it starts with one person being that spark. I'm going to use Naomi Klein's quote. You know, Greta was a spark for the youth climate movement, but we all are the wildfire. Right. Ooh. And we all have to continue being that wildfire and using our voices. Um, and so I would say use your voice. Make sure that you go out to other people, your friends, your family, go to other people beyond that into your community and form coalitions, build community with them and start organizing um, to get, you know, all of your actions and solutions into government to have your voices actually heard in government. And that's. You know, cliche to say because that's a lot, a lot of what everyone says, but it's in the fact that if you actually do it and you're willing to do it, then you'll actually get the justice. I appreciate that. And I like the idea of building your own coalition if it's yeah. not already available to yeah. you. There's something very empowering about that and mm. recognizing, like you said, there are other people that also care. Yeah. And you touched a little bit <laughs> on what up action and the fellows that you're working with across yeah. the country. I'd love to talk a little bit about that. I think there's incredible power in the structure of a fellowship program that is nationwide. A lot of folks that can learn from each other, but also are having very different experiences with their interactions on climate policy, climate legislation, climate activism. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about how you founded One Up Action yeah. and how it stands today. Yeah, well, funny story, you know, One Up Action was also founded in 2019 during Climate Week or UNGA Week in New York City. Ironically, it was founded in a United Nations small room with a, a few individuals on my birthday on September 23rd of 2019. So it's not only founded on my birthday, but it's also was founded during UNGA Week at the UN. Um, but it was meant to be a platform for individuals who look like me. 
right? I think oftentimes during that time, and still today, I think historically the youth climate movement and the climate movement has not had a lot of the black and brown and BIPOC voices to be amplified and be in traditional media and to be represented in a light that needs to be represented because we've had quite a lot of white and white passing voices. So One Up Action was really meant to be a platform for marginalized communities to be amplified and get resources to take action. The name One Up Action came from, you know, once we're done rallying and doing the marches and strikes and stuff like that on the streets and utilizing our voices on the streets to go back into our own communities and step up our action, one-up our action. That's that's, slick. Yeah, that's where the one-up action name comes from. Fast forward 2020, around that time, we were in a pandemic. And we grew very fast. From 2019 to 2020, we actually grew by 40 chapters internationally, chapters across the African continent, all the way to India, to Europe, to Canada and Latin America, and even the United States. And so we had about like 47 different chapters across the world. We were helping about 4,000, 6,000 young people with taking action in their communities, doing resources, fighting their fights, and giving them the resources they need to implement actions. But we realized that method of like just blowing up in such a fast rate was not sustainable. And also it, it gives a lot of the Global South community not the ability to take action in their own way. And so we kind of came together in 2021 and 2022 to reformulate our idea and strategy of how are we going to get these actions and solutions going, right? We went ahead and kind of crafted three programs that are unique in 2022 and one extra program to disband all of our chapters and create an action alumni network so that they are able to share resources and, you know, share opportunities with one another, all the chapters, all 4,000, 5,000 young people. And then on top of that, um, creating these three programs, which was the Youth Solutionist and Government Program that just launched this year. And then two other programs that have yet to launch, but really focused on accelerating and implementing climate solutions. But they're all fellowships. And so they're more condensed and we're able to help young people in a way that we've never been able to do before because we were helping so many people. But at the end of the day, we're helping people really make the difference in their communities and using those as case studies and saying, if we can do it, then the governments can do it. And corporations can also do it. And they can also help these communities implement these solutions, not only in their community, but elsewhere and expand their impact. And that's like a lot of what we do now. One Up Action is built to accelerate and implement climate solutions, specifically with young people across the world. We're starting here domestically in the United States, but to get young people into government. And that's one of the solutions, policy building. And how can we have young people really build political power? And when I mean young people, I mean Generation Z, millennials, everyone above that has been historically left out of government and really making sure that they have the tools and resources to get their voices heard. Wow, thank you. That's such an interesting model. Yeah. And the fellowships to me sound like a crash course, accelerated (laughs) version of how to get involved in politics as a young person. Like that is a really, really powerful model. You've mentioned a couple of times tools and resources that are available to the One Up Action community. What do you think are the resources that the youth or any sort of person new to activism in the environmental space is most looking for? What are the resources that people want when it comes to getting involved in government? So I think 
one of the biggest tools and resources that young people are wanting is financial resources. There's a lack of financial resources going to young people, uh, even young movements. And I think that's something that we need to really fix. That issue that we need to fix is how are we moving philanthropic funds or just even funds to young people and their issues and their solutions. So that's something that One Up Action is trying to fill the gap in. Another is just connections to organizations that are doing work that these young people are working on. A lot of that is not available because we are so stuck in our silos and echo chambers. Mm -hmm. And so we're trying to break those and we're trying to say, okay, well, we are trying to build movements that get us justice, that implement the solutions and get true impact. And how are we able to do that? It's making sure that it's not just about general resources like toolkits and handbooks and all of that on issues that matter to young people, but how are we moving financial resources? How are we going to connect people with philanthropic funds or, or, or organizations that will get them the funds that they need to make impact? Um, and then just beyond that, anything that young people need, media resources, how can we amplify the solutions that are happening in their community, et cetera, et cetera. You know, like resources is, you know, for us, it's just like whatever that young person needs, we try to help them with. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's like you said earlier, it's a sense of urgency it's acting. Of it's urgency. it's accelerating. Yeah. Fabulous. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for the work that you do. Thank you so much for telling me a little bit more about it. I really appreciate your time and I'm so, so impressed with everything you have to share. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.